The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's David and Isaac. This is Hoop Ball Grizz. We are here post-game, post-series with the Denver Nuggets, and somehow the Memphis Grizzlies win both games in this series. I didn't see it coming. This game tonight was a lot more stressful than Monday night. I actually was not in the post-game presser, so I'm going to let Isaac tell us how that post-game presser went after tonight's win. Yeah, I was actually only in on on Taylor Jenkins. Uh, they, they were, you know, how they got a delay in between each each person that speaks. So I only got to see Jenkins, uh, but but he just kind of talked about uh, the execution that, that they had after getting getting down, uh, getting the twenty point lead, and losing that lead. How they continued to fight, uh, and he was proud of the effort that they put in. But I mean, this is super impressive. Uh, I mean, for a team that most pronounced especially people outside of Memphis would have said coming into the season that Denver is ahead of you. And to be able to knock them off two times in a row back-to-back, man, I, I'm like, I'm with you. I didn't see it coming. I thought for sure Denver would come out with a better effort tonight, and they did. Uh, Grizzlies came out with a lot of energy early, got up 20, and you just knew Denver was going to battle back, and he did. And felt like they kind of had the momentum. But, I mean, the Grizzlies just continued to battle. Uh, it felt like at the end of that third quarter, that Denver had all the momentum, and then Jared hits that big long three, and I think that kind of opened things up, and the Grizzlies really played well in the fourth quarter and were able to close this thing out, man. But super, super impressive, man, to go 2-0 and uh, against this different Nuggets team. And and I talked about this uh, last time we talked. Uh, I mean, they, they do play the Nuggets four times, but to have this 2-0 lead, I mean, eight games into the season, I, I think that's huge because I think the Nuggets are a team that we can look up at the end of the season, and Grizzlies are kind of in that mix when you look at that four, five, six, seven, kind of in that range where you're jockeying for playoff season, Denver could be a team that you're right there with, and you already have two wins over them, eight games of the season. I mean, that's that's really big. Yeah, holding that tiebreaker, you know, and that's obviously they still have to win one more to yeah. have the advantage but it, there. It, it's big, but, though, to have those yeah, already in your yeah, pocket. You're, you're in a good spot. You're better now. Like, even you split this series, that's not terrible, right? One and one, one against the Nuggets is not bad. But, you know, 2-0 early on, just a, a great spot to be in. The Grizzlies are 5-3. and three. They improved to 5-3 and three after this win. And I, if the Mavericks lose, they're in first in the division. Yeah, the Maver- Mavericks up 107-105, 10.9 seconds left. I'll see whose ball it is. Uh, it is – rebound. looks like it's the Mavericks ball. So, it looks like the Mavericks might be on the way to – winning that one so they'll still be tied uh top the the southwest division they both be five and three after Mavericks do pull it out but uh, I mean I, I'm, I'm just proud of this team and man to the to Jaron Jackson Jr. haters I know I wasn't on on the last podcast I heard David went in uh on the Jaron Jackson Jr. haters how, how you feeling tonight man I mean that's that's the Jaron Jackson Jr. that I expect to see and and that's why he got paid I mean we've seen this guy do tremendous things in the past. He's been injured. He has been out a lot, but this is what he's capable of. And, and I'm so happy for him because, again, man, it's been so negative uh, from, from the fan base around him and, and his struggles. And I'm just happy to see it break out because he was wearing on him, man. You could see it on his face when he, when he fouls and makes these mm-hmm. bad plays, missed shots. You could tell it was really bars him. And I think it was really in his head. And I think maybe this gets, gets some momentum going forward and, and maybe he continues to play well. I think he needed a game like this. And I'm really Really glad to see it because they don't win this game without the big plays that he made down the stretch tonight. And, and to me, some of the biggest plays that he made were not even the shots, man. 
his rebounding whenever they were yeah. playing him at Big. the five. And like I mean, going up, going were, up against like, Jokic, I mean, best he, in the league, man. <laughs> he was really the only person on the floor that could rebound. Uh, there were a couple lineups they were running there where it was. Um, I know Jaron, Bain, Tyus. I don't remember the full lineup. I, I'm sorry. I was chasing my toddler around a little bit. Uh, her like wife is working late tonight. So it might be Kyle. I'm not, it, I'm not yeah. sure. I'm not sure but, exactly what you're talking about, but it might like, be Kyle. It, it may. Yeah, it probably was Kyle, but like Jaron had to be the rebounder and Kyle can do, you know, Kyle is more than capable, but there were a couple defensive rebounds there to end the Nuggets possessions where Jaron had to go and get him. There was one in yeah. particular where he went over the top over the of top, Michael yeah. Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr., yeah. And, and grabbed it. And and that's the kind of stuff that we were not seeing early on. I had somebody ask me the other day, do you think Jaron can become a dog? And my answer to that question is, I don't care. I don't. Jaron doesn't have to be a dog to be successful. You know, he ate 22 and 8 tonight. The, the eight rebounds, they were all all defensive rebounds from him three block shots, just a great game. Jaron doesn't have to be a dog. There's other guys on this team that are dogs. You don't need every guy on your squad to be a dog. So if Jaron never turns into a dog, I don't give a flip, man. It does. It makes zero difference to me whether he does or doesn't. I think that he can be successful without having that type of mentality. And that's not to say, like, it drives me crazy when we when we have these conversations because there's a lot of assumption in there, right? Like you don't know how competitive a guy is. Some guys you can see the fire on the floor, yeah, it, and you can show it differently coming out. And some guys, like I, I remember growing up playing with this kid, like he was not emotional. Like this dude was stone faced, but there was not a player on the team that wanted to win more than him. And, and I think that that is kind of where we are with Jaron Jackson. And maybe, you know, we, we know that Ja wants to win, and we know that, you know, he's vocal about it. He, he's a guy that shows, you know, there's no doubt that Ja Morant wants to win, and he's going to do whatever it takes in order for that to happen. But I, I there's nothing that Jaron has done that makes me think that he's not a guy that wants to win. He wants to win, and he's going to make plays – that lead to winning you know he was the only starter that was a negative for the plus minus again plus minus is like if you're making an argument it's good to have it if you're using it again it's not really a telling stat you know it's not he in that third quarter when he was playing the five and he made that three at the end like the stuff that he done the grizzlies do not get the win and you said that the grizzlies don't get the win if he doesn't make those plays I want to kind of I want to bounce back to Monday's game though. We were talking about this a little bit before we went on. I was at that game and the ref like the overall officiating of that game was awful. It was so terrible. We were looking at the free throw counts. The, the Nuggets shot 15 and the Grizzlies shot 7. There were a, and that's total the entire game. That wasn't one player like the the teams in total. It was 15 and 7. So 22 free throws total. But the Grizzlies were getting no calls in that game, just none. And I think you see guys like Harden and Trey having a hard time getting fouls called right now because, yeah. like, they're the big ones, right? They're the guys in the spotlight. But there were multiple times where I saw guys that should have had fouls called and it wasn't. So it feels like 
there's some areas where they're kind of just keeping the whistle in their pocket. And then other areas like the, the double technical foul on Desmond Bain and bones Highland, man, that's the softest double technical I've ever seen in my life. Did, did you see that play Monday night where they called that double yeah. tackle on them? Yeah, man. My, my thing with, with officiate is just consistency. If be the same way all the time, you have, you have certain games where they don't call anything, even within games, you have periods where they're calling everything. The next quarter, they might not call anything. They let them play. Just have, just be consistent. I think that's the, the biggest issue I have with officiating across, not just NBA and all sports. I think that's kind of what you see in professional sports. Just there's no consistency in the way that they make calls. Uh, and there needs to be some uniformity in that. And from game to game, you just see a difference. I mean, there's no way, man. You Grizzly five or seven, seven free throw attempts, 15. And especially as physical as that game was, because it was pretty physical. Uh, both of these games were, and to only only have that amount of free throws, not a whole lot of them shot tonight either uh, in, in this game. So, I mean, you just – I just want them to call it the same way every night, and that's just not what what you get. But uh, I, mean, I do remember that double technical from Monday night, and that was weak, especially compared, like you said, the way that they were, weren't calling anything. It was just kind of weird to see them call a double technical there. It was extremely questionable at that point. Yeah, and I really – I think the conversation between Jamichael Green and Bain is really what triggered it, right? That's when they went back to the video because, you know, Bain, I'm not even – he pushed Bones Highland and push is probably giving it a little bit too much credit. Like, he extended his arm. They, they called the offensive foul. Bain had the ball in his hand. Bone tried to smack it out. Bain kind of spun it away from him and then pushed his arm out. Barely even moved Highland. It moved him, but it barely moved him. And then Jamichael kind of bumped up against Bain, you know, like taking care of the rookie. Like, that's not how we're going to do it. And I'm like, okay, that that's basketball, right? Like, yeah, that's I mean, just basketball. part of the freaking game. And they, they blow the whistle and they go over. And I'm like, what are they freaking watching, man? Are they really going to call a technical on this? And they come out and they call a double technical. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness, bro. And speaking of Bones Island, man, he's a player, man. We we both liked him and talked about him a lot in the pre-draft process, man. I wish he, he was a guy the Grizzlies could have drafted, man, because I think it's just something about it. Um, he, he just kind of has that it factor, and I, I think he's going to be a big-time player. Nuggets already, I know, in the locker room, they love him. Michael Lone said that he's a, a big part of what they're going to do this year, and they already love him, man. I think he's just going to get better and better. Just a ball of energy. Can, can really shoot it, knock down shots, and we kind of saw that tonight, man. He he's a he's a handful, man. He's hard to hard to guard, and that's the thing about this entire Nuggets team. I tweeted this throughout the game. They're so hard to defend because they they set great screens and they just never stop moving. They're like relentless with the movement, and and we saw tonight, man. Former Memphis Tiger Will Barton go off tonight, and and he's very kind of John Morant esque in the way that he gets skinny and can make these weird layups. He's behind the back reverse layups. He's just so hard to defend when he's aggressive like that. I mean, we saw a game last year, I think, in, in Denver, where he kind of really went off uh, against the Grizzly man. When he gets hot, man, it, it's hard to hard to stop him, man. He had a big game tonight. I was like, man, man, you're supposed to be with us, man. You're a former Memphis Tiger, but, but he, yeah. he had a big big time game tonight, man. They really couldn't get a control of him, especially in the first three quarters. CGK? <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Yeah, he, he he played well tonight, man. He finished the game. He had 26 points, seven assists, three rebounds. Just impacted. There were times when – well, not there were times. Anytime 
that Nikola Jokic was off of the was floor. Was off the floor. I mean, he just this, carried this the offense was struggling, and so yeah. Mike Malone made the adjustment, and he was leaving Barton out there with Barton there with the bitch, bitch guys, yeah. And, and Barton was just cooking, man. It looked look good, you know. And, and I think you and I discussed him as somebody that we would have liked to have seen the Grizzlies oh, go man. after for one hundred percent. Just a veteran. bucket, man. Yeah, it's a bucket. Yeah. So. Huge series for that. I, like I, I'm still kind of in a little bit of shock that the Grizzlies managed to win both of these games, and, and I knew tonight would be a fight because you go into somewhere and you're playing back to back, and you lose game one in the manner that the Nuggets lost game one. I knew that they were going to come with fight tonight, and they did. Nikola yep. Jokic, massive. You know, like did he triple double? He did not. 34, 11, and five. Just he done everything that he could do. But here's the deal with this team, man. You're, you're, you're missing Jamal Murray. Michael Porter Jr. is is not playing the way that he should. Oh, people talk at, about at Jared, all. and he got paid. He's got he got paid more than yeah. Jared did, and he's struggling as well. So I'm, I don't know if Nugget fans are jumping on him the same way as some Grizzlies fans are jumping on Jared, but he's struggling as well. So I mean, it's not like this is something that you don't don't see with other guys. I mean, he has not been good this year, and I don't know if it's the back thing creeping up. Uh, I was kind of talking about somebody about, about this the other day. At Monday, it just looks like he doesn't look like the same guy. Some of the stuff mm-hmm. that you saw him do last year, he just doesn't seem to be moving as well and doing some of those things. And it, it could be the back injury creeping back up. I mean, he, there was one point where people didn't even know whether he was going to be able to play or not. Uh, I mean, had a big time year last year and uh, he's, he's got his extension, but I mean, so far he is really, really struggling. Over the second half of last year, Michael Porter Jr. was hovering around 50% from the three-point line. And he he's not even close right now, man. He didn't he didn't make a single three tonight in this game. And you know, he six for twelve from the field, but he was 0 for three from three. And, and that's just it, it's not like him. Like he, he is he's a high efficiency scorer. And they need he's him not, to be that right now, especially with Murray out. They need that from him. He, he's not taking less shots like he put up 12 shots tonight and last year he was averaging 13 13 shots a game he's one shot under that but we're talking a 20 percent drop in his field goal he was he shot for the year last year he was 45 percent from three on over six attempts a game he's shooting 23 percent from three right now so like i this is not the norm. This is not like he's going to figure this out. And, you know, that's going to make a difference for this team. But is that, do you think that the reason he's struggling so much is because he's seeing better defenders right now? Do you think that has anything to do with it? Man, it, 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 I think that could be part of it. Uh, again, man, I, I just think to me, he just doesn't seem to, be moving the same way. Like, I think it might be injury-related. Maybe he's not getting the same looks. Uh, I mean, but, I mean, he was playing well, I was going to say, without Jamal Murray, but he was playing well at the end of the season after Murray went down. So, yeah, I, I don't I don't know, man. It, it, he just, again, like you said, I mean, he's putting up shots. He's not like he's not taking shots or, or getting volume like he like he did in the past. He's just not knocking them, knocking them down. And, again, without Jamal Murray, I mean, you have Jokic. Uh, Will Barton, is, he's a scorer, but as good as he is, He's still what you would consider to be a role player. He's not going to put up the numbers that he put up tonight every night. He's just no. not going to do that. And Michael Porter Jr. with the way he paid him, they're paying him as your number three guy. 
uh, outside of Murray and Jokic. And without Murray, they really need him to step up. And he's regressed from last year. And that's tough. Uh, the reason why I think this team is so good is because how good they are defensively. I mean, they, uh, I mean, you saw Miami, what they come in here. I mean, I think very similar to what Miami does. They're the same kind of defensive team. I think they came into the night third in the NBA in defensive efficiency. I think that's kind of what's carrying them right now. But again, man, if he doesn't get back right while Murray's out, man, I think they're going to, they're going to struggle in some games because I mean, they, they need his scoring. And I, I think what he's doing right now, Will Barton was able to kind of bail them out tonight. And that's why the game was so close and Jokic went big. That's why he was in the game tonight, but they're going to get into games where if he can't do any better than that, man, they're going to, they're going to really struggle to, to put enough points on the board to beat teams. Yeah. I can't remember if it was Peter Brevin, but one of them talked about it. And the, the Nuggets have been under uh, 100 points multiple times this season. And, you know, their defense is good, but, you know, they're better than this. They're, they're better. And, and that's not like I'm not saying that the Grizzlies shouldn't have beat this team. That's not what I'm implying. But the Nuggets are better than what they're playing right now, man. I mean, they just have a lot of, a lot of solid players, like all the way into the bench. I mean, they're bringing off guys, veterans. Talk about Michael mm-hmm. Green, Jeff Green, Monte Morris, uh, P.J. Dozier. I mean, all these guys can, can really, really play. I mean, they don't really have any guys in their – rotation where you say, well, this guy just can't play. I mean, they have a lot of depth. They have young veterans. They have MVP and Jokic. I mean, this team is extremely talented. That's even missing, we're not talking missing Jamal Murray. So, this team, I, I agree with you, they're better than they're playing right now, and that's not to take anything away from the Grizzlies, because it's tremendous that the Grizzlies beat this team two nights in a row, but this is a re- really good basketball team, and again, this is impressive. That's why we said at the top of the show that for the Grizzlies to get these two wins, man, I thought they were split I just felt like after the way the Grizzlies kind of kind of put it on them a little bit on Monday night that they would come back more focused, and they did. But the Grizzlies were still able to come out with the win, man. I, I just think it's big, especially you going and you got a tough game on Friday night against the Wizards team uh, that that's really playing well. Uh, they lost tonight, though. They they did lose their first home game to Toronto, so they're going to be coming back on their home floor again, ready to really ready to play that on Friday night. So the Grizzlies have to be ready for that, but. This Nuggets team is a, is a really good basketball team. They're going to be in the mix. You get to, if you get Jamal Murray back later in the season, uh, I think this team is going to be dangerous. And again, that's why it's so important that the Grizzlies were able to get these get these two wins. Yep, I agree with you, man. We're going to shift. We've been talking about the the Nuggets quite a bit here. I want to shift to the Grizzlies. We got some good news today. Dylan Brooks uh, was sent down to scrimmage with the Hustle. Yeah, man. Uh, Taylor Jenkins. You know, he he had. He didn't really. He didn't have any bad news, you know. He said he's progressing well. He's in a good spot. They're going to do um, another evaluation toward the end of the week, and just go from there. He said we're taking it day by day, and that's not to say that Dylan is day to day, but I don't think that he's far from returning. If he's going down there to scrimmage, then that means yeah. he's playing. You know, he's taking contact. He's doing all the things that uh, that he needs to be doing in order to come back. And you know, the Grizzlies played well in these two games against the Nuggets. But their perimeter defense has been terrible to start the year, and you've got to think that their best point of attack defender is going to make a difference with that, you know. And that's, you know, DeAnthony Melton, great defender, but as far as point of attack, he's not as good as Dylan. He, you know, like overall, I think you can have the conversation that those guys are probably fairly close. I, I give the edge to Dylan just a little bit, but I, I think that DeAnthony Melton as a help defender makes your yeah. defense significantly better than D'Anthony Melton as your point of attack defender. Yeah, I, I definitely give Dylan an edge there. To, like I said, D'Anthony Melton's more of a 
help guy, guy that's going to get in passing lanes as far as just one-on-one straight-up defense, I would definitely give Dylan the edge there, and they missed that. I mean, they're, they're, if you had to put out one weakness that they've had through the first eight games, it's definitely been perimeter defense. I mean, teams have been able to get just wide-open looks from three, um, and, and even if they get to the basket with just clean looks. I mean, when the Nuggets were cooking tonight, I mean, you just saw some passes where guys were just wide open on the rim. There's nobody around them, and they just have to get better there. Um, and, and I think to be five and three with the way that they play defense, I think is I think they're lucky um, to kind of be there. I think their offense it, it's been really good, and that's kind of why they've been able to do that. But we've seen in games where they can't score, like the Portland game and the Miami game, where they really struggle to score. And you see what happens, and that's kind of the danger that they face right now. And it's not to say that Dylan's going to fix all of that because I don't think he will, but I think he's, he he will help because it makes your overall team defense better. Like you said, to have that point of attack guy there. I think it makes everybody better. It makes the anti Melton that just that much more effective uh, on the defensive end. But that's something that I think they really need to get Dylan back. But seeing him going down to, to the hustle with, with a group of other players uh, to practice today, I think that shows that he'll be back sooner rather than later. Because if he wasn't still ready to come back, I mean, he wouldn't be down in a contact, contact full contact practice doing stuff like that. And we know the Grizzlies are have been overly cautious. I think if this was probably down the stretch and you in a playoff race or we're in a playoff game, Dylan would probably be playing, but they're not going to rush him back because, I mean, it's about the long game and that's how we've always talked about this front office views this and that's what we're seeing now. I think Dylan will be fine. I think he'll he'll be back up soon and, and I think they'll be better for it. Yeah, yeah, 100%. You know, I, I mentioned this wasn't in the Jaron show, but, but in a previous episode about the guards playing defense from behind and that's, you know, they're just struggling staying in front of people. And when you play teams that have good guards, you struggle with that. And that's something, you know, Monte Morris is a guy that, you know, assists to turnover ratio. He's usually one of the league leaders in that, but he's not real explosive whenever it comes to getting to the bucket. And so that, that's, uh, that kind of plays into the Grizzlies' favor. But, you know, you did see them struggle against guys like Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, um, Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, those guys that can get past them gave them fits. And so, like I said, Dylan's going to fix some of that, but definitely not all of it. Um, Desmond yeah, you got something. I was going to say, I was real quick, I was going to say, you guys got one coming up on Friday night, man. You got Dinwiddie, uh, Bill, and Contavious Codwell Pope, uh, mm-hmm. kind of your wing guys. And that's one where you could really, really use uh, Dylan in that game. I think that's yeah. going to be kind of a tough matchup uh, for, for the Grizzlies. Not saying, they can't win the game, but again, that's just kind of an example where you, you can look up and say, man, you could really use Dylan in this game, just like Portland. When you're dealing with Lillard and, and C.J. McCollum, you have these guards that can get by you and that are hard to guard. He's kind of the guy that you can put out there and deploy against these guys, and they, they, they just don't have it right now. Yep. So I have a slight concern moving forward. I know we're, you know, like we're, we're talking about getting Dylan back, and we're glad, obviously, to get him back because of what he brings defensively. Do you think that him coming back is going to have any impact on the way that Desmond Bain is playing offensively? Yeah, man, that's that's definitely an interesting question. We've kind of talked about this really early on. We were talking about when, when Melton was really cooking offensively as well as what, he, what we know he does on defense, kind of talk about who's going to go to the bench when Dylan came back. And I think that question is kind of answered now. I think Melton is going to be the guy that, that goes to the bench. I think Bain is just playing too well offensively uh, to, to kind of take him out of that lineup. So I think you'll see Bain and, and Dylan in the starting lineup with Melton going to the bench. But that, that's, the, that's the interesting question. I mean, because Bain has been 
fantastic. I mean, going going back to the summer, what he did out in summer league. I mean, you could just tell that he was going to come in and it added some some things to his game, and he was coming in here on a mission. And I, I think he's shown that he's a NBA starter uh, uh, right now. And I don't think there's any question about it. And it's even he was Bill is this one dimensional guy. We kind of tried to tell people coming when when they drafted him that man, oh, not so fast, man. This guy's a little bit more athletic than you think. He's a little bit better defensively than you think. Uh, high IQ basketball player. Um, and we've seen all of that uh, so far this season. So it's going to be interesting to see how Dylan is integrated back into this. I think there might be a bit of an adjusted period because Dylan is a high-volume guy. We we know that. And they're used to playing without him right now for, for eight games now. So when, when he comes back, I do think there's going to be a transition period. I hope it doesn't affect Bain. And I, and I, I kind of hope Melton coming out the bench, I hope it doesn't kind of change where he is because we've seen inconsistency with him for time stretches where he really, plays really well and then times where he kind of disappears. Mopelin, he doesn't go to the bench when when, they, when Dillard is back and, and kind of disappears back into struggle mode like we've seen him do at times. So that is definitely a concern. I think it'll work itself out over time, but I, I am kind of concerned that when Dillard first come back that there will be kind of a transition period for this team because Dillard means so much for this team offensively and defensively. Such a big part. I mean, that's going to change some things when he comes back and you kind of now got Jared and kind of we saw tonight kind of fall into his role like and he's trying to figure things out and you and he's a gonna be a high volume guy you expect him to be and so that's even a, another kind of area where it could be affected with, with this team so we'll see how it plays out but hopefully it doesn't take too long but I do think it will be a, a bit of an adjustment. Yeah, I, you know, with Melton, he never goes completely invisible. You know, we, we kind of we use that term loosely. And the fact he's always impactful on the defensive end. Yeah. But, the, you know, there were times at the end of last year where he was almost unplayable on the offensive end of the floor because you need him. He doesn't have to be an offensive juggernaut like he is at times. There's times when he gets hot and he can carry the offensive load. But the Grizzlies, like, they don't expect him to do that. But he can't be a complete negative on the offensive end. You, you know, they just – John Morant is – and maybe this year he is at that level where it doesn't matter, you know, if Melton is invisible in the, the offensive end, John Morant may be able to carry him. And last year he wasn't quite there. So, you know, like with the growth that we've seen from Ja, you may be able to handle a little bit less offense from DeAnthony Melton, but he's always out there doing something. And, you know, like a night like tonight, it doesn't, you know, it's not a massive stat line from him. He only had 10 points. But I, you know, I would take this four for eight from the field, two for four from three. You know, he only had two rebounds, but three assists, a steal, two blocks. You know, just impacting the game. And, and it was timely offense. Some of those shots yeah. he hit, like one of those threes, just big time, big shots uh, mm-hmm. in big moments. So again, man, I, I'm with you. I'll take this line anytime uh, that, that he puts up these type of numbers. He doesn't need to be an offensive juggernaut on night in night out basis, but you just you don't want him to be. Because I'm thinking there were times, like you said, like at the end of last year where he was just bad and he was still taking a lot of shots. And that's what you don't want. He turned the ball over uh, during that time. That's what you don't want. But stat line like tonight, man, I'll take that for the rest of the season. If you can get that every night, I, I think they'll be good to go. Yeah, 100% they will, man. Another guy I want to talk about before we get out of here, uh, Tyus Jones in this series. Man. Was Fantastic. incredible, man. Monday night, 17 points. Him and Ja were on the floor for a, an extended period Monday night. And historically, that's been a terrible offensive yeah. <laughs> lineup. Like, that yeah. has not been a good 
<laughs> lineup with both of those guys on the floor. Ty's not Ty's, when he's scoring like that, it, 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 I, I like it. I like the look. But, yeah, historically, I mean, the metrics, the numbers on that were awful. But for, yeah. for with him shooting threes like way he's been shooting, and, again, I, and I've said this a lot, he talked about how upset he was at his shooting percentages last year, and he was telling about how much shots he was getting up a day on the offseason. You can tell. I mean, it's paid off, and he's shooting – Shooting with confidence, even from mid-range, I and mean, he's knocking mm-hmm. it down, man. It's it, and that's a big push for this team coming out the bench. And shout out to the bench. The bench has had struggled, but in, in this series, uh, they outscored. I got it written down here. Uh, on, on Monday night, forty-three to thirty-four, uh, outscored the Nuggets on the bench. And tonight, they doubled them up, thirty-four to seventeen. So shout out to the bench, and Tyus was a big part of that. Yeah, yeah, he didn't score. He only scored seven points tonight. But is that right? Am I looking at that right? Let me see. Yeah, 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 yeah seven. Seven. Seven assists, you know, though. Yeah. And, you know, he made one three and, and the mid-range shot. He had, you know, one tie. The shot clock was rolling down, and he was yeah. able to get free Big and knock shot. down about a you know, 18-foot jump shot, just enough to keep, you know, keep them from closing in. The 20-point lead early in the game, the Grizzlies are not 20 points better than the Nuggets. I, I said that oh. during the game on Twitter. Yeah, just I knew it. You know, like the, the, there's going to be a there, – it's a game of runs, and we can see – the maturity showing up from this team, like things that they've learned and being able to close games and, and stick with it. It's really showing early in the season, um, you know, but again, you have games where the youth is exposed as well. So that fortunately that they were able to, uh, to put it together. We didn't really see a whole lot of the youth in this series and they were able to be a good team, a really good team two times. Yeah, and one thing I did want to mention, uh, Michael Malone and his, uh, pre-game uh, press availability said that when they win the rebounding battle, they win. Uh, and that was not the case tonight. The Grizzlies won, won the battle of the board 44-36 and 11-3 to on the offensive backboard, which was huge. So I, I wanted to kind of throw that out there. He, he said when they won rebounding battle, they win games. Did not happen tonight. So Yeah, and that's, you know, credit to the Grizzlies. That, that was a big thing. You know, he, he mentioned the offensive rebounds for the Grizzlies in game one. And the Nuggets limited that tonight. The Grizzlies had, I think it was 11 rebounds, 11 offensive rebounds for 14 points in the first game. And tonight's game, they had three offensive rebounds. Just rebound. So, I don't know. I don't see the second chance points. Here we go. Six. Yeah. They they converted the three offensive rebounds into six points. So, the Nuggets were able to fix that. They were able able to make adjustments and fix the offensive rebounding. It's crazy to me. Steven Adams did not have – okay, he had one. He had one offensive rebound. One offensive rebound. Um, but, you know, they, they just done a much better job. There were a number of different guys. On Monday night, I know that guards – they had a lot of guards getting offensive rebounds. Desmond Bain had one. Uh, John Morant had three offensive rebounds. Zaire Williams, Kyle Anderson, Tyus Jones, and looks like X had three. So, you know, just a lot. Like, it was a combination, like, rebound by committee on Monday night. So, the Nuggets were able to make those adjustments, but the Grizzlies were still good enough to get the win. Next game. Man. Go ahead, man. I was going to say, shout out, shout out to, to the bigs, man. Steven Adams, a 41% free throw shooter last year, still perfect on the season. Jaron Jackson Jr. has only missed one uh, this year. So, I mean, that's big for your power forward and center to be that consistent. And who would have thought Steven Adams uh, would be – <laughs> uh, the perfect on the free throw line eight games of the season, man. <laughs> yeah. I know Amy, when Amy, when they, when they first made the move, Amy Stagmeyer, shout out to her from the Flyer Grizz blog, Memphis Flyer, was upset about it, man. We like traded JB for a 41% free throw shooter, but 
man, he's been he's he's been fantastic, man. He knocked him down. So I wanted to shout out to him and shout out to Zaire Williams, man. Again, I, I, I'm I know a lot of people are upset that he's getting so many minutes, but I like it. I mean, again, this front office is about development, and they made the decision from the jump that they were going to play him. He's going to be in a rotation. They were going to give him minutes. They let him take his lumps and start off, man. He hit three threes in the, in the first half and first quarter. Um, and really was really a big part of him getting out to that 20 point lead and made some plays down the stretch. Probably had his best game as a pro tonight uh, 11 points, two rebounds, an assist, a steal, a block, four eight from the field, three or seven from three, 24 minutes plus five. So shout out to Zyre Williams, man. He, again, man, you can see the flashes, the length. Um, I think he had a big steal at one point tonight. Uh, high IQ, really good passer. I mean, one pass, I think it was Steven Adams, uh, that he found for a dunk, uh, the down the middle of the floor. I mean, he. I mean, he has some some shows and flashes, and I think this playing time is only going to make him better. I'm, I'm glad they didn't go the route of sending him down to the to the G League. And I mean, you take a guy top ten, man, you want him to be a guy that you can play. And I'm glad they're kind of sticking with it. And I think that's going to instill confidence in him. I think his teammates have confidence in him because even when he's not shooting well, I mean, Ja still finds him in the corner for that shot, man. He, they're going to give him the opportunity to shoot the basketball, and I'm glad to see him have a pretty solid game tonight. And I want to mention something about it. I'm, I'm actually glad that you said that because I forgot about this. But I, I saw a conversation about him kind of just standing in the corner. And w- one thing that you got to understand is the design of the offense, right? So you if you have guys moving with John Morant and his ability to get downhill and get to the basket – you're running the, this pick and roll. You're running, and they ran a lot of high pick and roll to try and get Ja Morant matched up with Jokic so Ja can use his speed and handles to manipulate that mismatch. But him just standing in the corner, he's doing what he's supposed to do. Yeah. You, you go Absolutely. back and you, you watch film from last year, and Desmond Bain done Desmond a lot Bain. of standing yep. in the corner. Yeah. And so it, it's not because he doesn't have the basket the basketball IQ. Oh, it's by design. Cuts are to do more. It's he's standing in that corner because if his defender, the the corner three is an analytical dream, right? Like that's the shot that all the 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 analytical the numbers nerds. That's what they want you taking. The corner three has the highest reward. Yeah, it's a shorter distance to the basket. You get the most points, highest percentage. That's the shots they want you taking. So Taylor Jenkins' offense is designed to get those corner threes. Zaire Williams, when he is up there and he's just standing in that corner, the hope is that John Morant, one of the best guys in the league at getting to the basket, can cause the defense to collapse on him, and Zaire will get open looks. And that happened – you know, it's been happening. Zaire's not always knocking them down, but they're going to start falling for yeah. him. Yeah, and you saw the first half. He had three three in a row uh, in, there in the, in the first quarter. And, again, I mean, they're, they're going to start falling. I mean, I, yeah. I just think he's too talented. I mean, I mean, I'm sure I know he's getting shots up and working on it. They're going to start falling. And when they do, man, that's going to be a problem. And, and his game will expand. He starts knocking that down. I mean, they're gonna be, there's going to be times where he expands his game to, to get in the paint and, and do more things. But like you said, but him standing in that corner, like we said, we saw Bain do it last year. That's by design. That's kind mm-hmm. of how they have it have it schemed. Because I mean, he's drawing a guy away from theoretically drawing away a guy guy away from the paint, and mm-hmm. that that helps out Jabarat getting into the basket and and and, and creating and penetrating. So uh, I, I'm just glad again that they're 
allowing him to take his lumps and, and not just him being on, on a bench and not playing and, and sending him down to the G League and bringing him back up. Uh, I mean, he's a big part of his team's future. And if he's going to maximize his talent, you want him to do that quickly to, to be a part of this sport. And again, they're giving him giving him every opportunity to do so. And I'm really glad to see that. And I think his confidence is is, is getting better because, yeah, man, he's not shy. He's, he's putting the shots up even when he, he's not making them. But it was good to see him knock down his first three tonight. And I think eventually that shot's going to start falling. Um, Brevin said on the broadcast, and I'm glad that he, he said this because – I saw it on Monday night. Jod made he made two or three really good passes to Zaire that was open in the corner. Zaire missed the shot, and I saw Ja say something to him, but I the, like the angle of where I was sitting, I couldn't read Ja's lip to to tell exactly what he was saying. And Zaire had mentioned thinking, and and Ja's like, "Don't think, just shoot. Don't just shoot. think, just shoot." Like he he's hitting him with the passes, and he's missing the shots. And, and I see fans getting mad and thinking that Ja is getting mad because he's missing the shots. And Ja was not. He wasn't getting mad. Sure, he wants him to make them. But he's like, hey, stop thinking about it. Just let it rip. Just shoot the ball. And so, you know, that's the, you know, the leader of your team knowing that this guy is important to this franchise. Hey, listen, man, it's okay that you're missing them. Just keep shooting them. Don't think about it. Just let it happen. And, you know, he started off great tonight, three for three. He didn't make another three after that, so that's unfortunate. But still, like, I- I'm happy for him that he had some shots fall just to boost his confidence. Yeah, I mean, John said it in the post-game press conference on Monday night. He said that Zaire came up and, and apologized to him, saying, man, that, I- I'm sorry. And he's like, man, no, man, just, just keep shooting it. I'm, I'm going to pass it to you. Just keep shooting it. And I, I-, I like that mentality. Uh, and, again, because – and they talked about it on the broadcast tonight that his teammates, if, if it's said they're confident in him and they want him taking those shots, the coaching staff wants him to take those shots. If you're open, shoot it. Uh, and again, man, it you saw three fall tonight. And again, I think you're going to see that fall with more consistency and him getting those reps is, is going to help that. So it's only going to make him better. And, and, and again, man, I'm just glad to see him out there. And they trust him. And they even have him in, out there in crunch time sometimes. So they, they, they trust him to be out there. They're going to let him take his lumps and they're not going to pull him every time he makes a mistake. And this, this coaching staff, we've talked about so much how great they are with development, and I think they're really, really showing that with Zaire, giving, giving them this plan time. Yep. LTMF. That, that's what uh, <laughs> yeah. I think we heard it first yeah. from Melton. Let that, let that fly, mother right? fly. Yep. So <laughs> they're doing it. And, and here we are. We're, we're on a two-game win streak now. We're, we're starting off. Let's see if they can keep it going Friday. Again, the Grizzlies have – well, I, I think it was eight of ten at home here in the stretch. They they played a couple of them here. They'll travel to Washington on Friday. I don't know what day if they're going to leave. Probably won't leave tonight. Probably leave in the morning. Yeah, they leave tomorrow. The they yeah. usually they usually leave after the day before. They'll leave like tomorrow afternoon. They go. Have, I don't know if they have a shoot around tomorrow or walk through or whatever whatever they're going to do tomorrow shoot around. I mean, but uh, they'll probably leave tomorrow afternoon. That's usually how that kind of works when you on an off day. But yeah, man, tough game. Uh, I guess what the Wizards, they fell at home tonight to Toronto. So both teams coming into that game, five and three. Grizzlies have two days off. And uh, then you got one, two, three, a four-game week next week. You got Timberwolves at home, Hornets mm-hmm. at home, Suns at home before going down to New Orleans. Maybe we hope that luck changes. I mean, the Grizzlies just haven't had any luck against the Pelicans. I mean, they just had their number, but the Pelicans really, really struggling. Uh, don't have Zaire Williamson right now. Don't know when they'll have Zaire Williamson. That's a Unfortunate situation, man. I'm glad those ping pong balls fell. Uh, I mean, the Grizz got the number two pick. I know we were kind of 
Uh, a lot of people kind of wishing they got the number one pick on the night. But again, man, in hindsight, I think I think things worked out pretty good for the, the boys in blue. But the Pelicans one and seven right now. So hopefully they can end that trend. But some wonderful games. I mean, a tough one coming up on Friday, but three games, three games at home, uh, three out of the next five at home. So hopefully, man, they can come out here with three or four wins, man. We'll see what happens. Yep, busy week next week for us, man. You ready for all those shows? Man, I'm ready, man. It was a weird schedule this week, man. Yeah. I had only three three games. Looked up on Tuesday, they only had two games. I was looking up yesterday, and I was like, man, they play uh, tonight on Wednesday and, and one more game coming up on Friday, and that's it for the week, though. So they, they got some rest this week, man. So hopefully they're they're ready because, again, they're going to be busy busy next week, actually the week after that as well. So uh, I'm ready for it, man. I'm ready to go, man. It's coming, coming high and heady, man. And, and again, man, hopefully we can – Keep coming on here talking about big grizzly wins. For sure. So we will get out of here. Before we go, we're going to let you know about our partners here at Hootball. MyBookie.ag, best online sports book out there. More lines and better odds for the players than any other sports book. You go over there, sign up, use our promo code Hootball. They will match your initial deposit 50% up to $1,000. Parlay, man, my favorite thing about my bookie, and I think I talk about this every stinking time, is – the odds boost that they run they do it at the start of every season whether it's it's basketball hockey football at the start of every season they will have an odds boost where you can go in and you can bet and it's it's like it's a lock to win it'll be something stupid like you'll get a football team and if you bet on this team you're getting you know 60 points in the spread and you know in some cases that could cut you know, turn out as a loss, but more often than not, if you're getting 60 points in a football game, you're coming out as a win. So my bookie, they run stuff like that for college pros, everything. We're just, Isaac, when does the, uh, when does the college basketball season start? We're just around the corner from that, aren't we? Yeah, man. Starts starts next week. Tigers, uh, Memphis Tigers first game Tuesday night against Tennessee Tech. So man, it's coming fast, man. This is my favorite time of year when kind of all, the professional sports uh basically culminate man baseball is it's just ending right now but yeah. i mean this is a sports fan dream man this time a year or so man if you're sports better i mean you you're loving this man you got all kind of opportunities out there so man definitely go out and check out my book and after it was taken away from us with covid to have it all back now man, is just that much sweeter awesome. so again the the promo code is hootball over at my bookie use it they'll match your uh, your initial deposits Go over there, get in on those odds boosts, win you some money, and follow the guys over at Hootball Gaming, and they will guide you to some more wins if you want it. So you can get the show on Twitter at Hootball Grizz. I'm at DWill2111. Isaac, I'm running this out of here. Did you have anything else, man? No, man. Uh, just Grizz Nation, enjoy this one. Uh, big, big time, big time win tonight, man, to get both of these. You can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore rivals, I-S-A-A-C underscore rivals. We'll, we'll be back with you post-game on Friday. Uh, this Grizzly travel to take on the Nuggets. And until, until then, we're going. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.